I'm Kim Singletary. And I'm Rich Collins. And you're listening to Biz Talks, a weekly conversation with local business leaders about topics affecting New Orleans and Southeast Louisiana. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Biz Talks. I'm Kim Singletary, the editor of Biz New Orleans Magazine. And my guest this week really needs no introduction, but I'm going to try. Uh, Alan Shaya is the chef slash partner of Pomegranate Hospitality, which includes Saba in New Orleans, which I'm sure everybody knows about, but you might not know about Safta in Denver, and of course, Miss River and the Chandelier Bar at the Four Seasons Hotel. He is a multiple James Beard Foundation Award winner, was named Best Chef South in 2015, uh, his restaurant won Best New Restaurant the following year. He was named one of the 50 people who are changing the South by Southern Living, one of the 50 most influential Jews in America um, by The Forward. He's also a published author. He's a passionate philanthropist, and he's just doing all the things. So welcome, Alan. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me on. <laughs> so I'm excited to talk to you. And before we get into this, I should say that we are actually recording on the Friday before Mardi Gras. So things are really going off right now. So how is your Mardi Gras going? Uh, it's going great. I've been eating a lot of king cake and cold fried chicken. And, uh, you know, I have a daughter who's going to be turning three soon. So uh, really seeing it through her eyes has just been uh, incredible and so much fun. So, uh, you know, it's uh, it's been exciting and, and busy. So we're really really happy i have a two-year-old and it is it's it's a whole new oh, world yeah. i went to muses last night without her because it was past her bedtime but when she woke up this morning and saw all the stuff it was like christmas only better yeah yeah like when else you know uh, do you just sit there and get things like presents thrown at you for hours on end uh, you know like it's uh she's i'm worried that she's gonna be really you know, once you see Mardi Gras as a kid, you can never go back to just a regular February again. Exactly. I, I have an older, a 13-year-old, and I remember telling her the first time we went to Disney, I had to kind of prep her emotionally that the parades, they were not, I said, they're not going <laughs> to anything to you. And she just looked at me really confused, and then she just went, oh, so they just hand the stuff to you. <laughs> I was yeah. Like, no, yeah. there's no stuff. And she was like, why, why would we do that? So, right. Okay. So you've had a lot of different hats and, and do um, as a chef, um, as a writer, as a uh, cookbook author, as a philanthropist, but we're going to talk about the business side and the, um, and how you function as a culinary entrepreneur. And of course we knew you as a, a chef partner at, at first as of Shia and Dominica and Pizza Dominica. And then there was a split with Besh Restaurant Group that was very covered and we're not gonna go into it. But right after that split in seven, uh, September of 2017, you started um, Pomegranate Hospitality with your wife. Um, and, and that has a really cool mission, but but let's start with the name because it's a, a little different from you know the, the Saba and the Shia and, the, and all of that. So can you talk about the name of your of your company and what that means? Yeah, so the the pomegranate is really a symbolic fruit uh, that back in the in the Old Testament uh, there are six hundred and thirteen 
mitzvahs, or that's how you say kind of like good deeds in Hebrew. Uh, and uh, 613 good deeds are, you know, like the, the Ten Commandments, a lot of people know, right? Like the top 10 list, but there's really 613 commandments of, of things that you should do to be a good person, to contribute to society and your community. Um, and so the pomegranate has 613 seeds. So it's a very symbolic fruit in the sense that for every seed, there's a good deed to be done. And, uh, you know, when we started pomegranate hospitality, the idea was that we would surround ourselves with people who believed in, in a, a set of core values that were really important to Emily and I. Uh, not just how we want to work, but how we want to live our lives. And, you know, those include uh, education, and positivity, and reliability, uh, and empowerment, uh, and fairness, and all these things that we felt were very important uh, to how we were going to run our business. Uh, I, you know, got a, a chance to start fresh with pomegranate hospitality and we opened Saba and Safta but before we opened any restaurants we spent the first six months with our team of of uh with our team at pomegranate building out the blueprints for how Saba and Safta were going to operate and how they would uh how we would ensure we were going to live up to the promises we were making our team members about those core values about our mission statement, which is creating a safe and comfortable work environment. So everything we've done with pomegranate has symbolized really the idea that this fruit is all about a lot of different seeds, a lot of different um, people that are all committed to doing and living out uh, a, a culture that is positive and empowering and is something that people could really find a lot of respect, uh, you know, to be a part of. So how does that play out in, in your kind of day-to-day? -day and um, and how, how big of a staff do you guys have? You have multiple restaurants, but... Yeah, uh, under the pomegranate hospitality umbrella, we now have uh, five, five restaurants, you know, so we work with hundreds of, of people across... Uh, across several different restaurants um, and uh, Saba and Safta each have, a, have about uh, close to 100 employees each. So uh, we, we work really hard on making these core values come to life by surrounding ourselves with great people. So we have a woman named Jasmine Forbes, who's our uh, director of people and culture. And uh, in her role, she, you know, helps to ensure that we're uh, keeping the scaffolding of the core values in place. Uh, we, we really do not just write down words, put them in a handbook and, and believe that they're going to come true. Uh, you know, positivity and reliability and education uh, all have to have to back them up. So... You know, we invest as a, as a as a team in education, and we uh, work to educate our team members and, and provide them with opportunities for education uh, that we support. Uh, 
whether that's going and taking uh, leadership courses uh, at Zing Train in Ann Arbor, Michigan, which is a, a great um, program that, that really teaches leaders how to how to lead from a lens of, uh, of a value system. Um, we do really fun educational opportunities for our team as far as field trips to different uh, you know vendors that we use or lunch and learns at the restaurant we bring in people to, to teach our team about finance about uh, real estate uh, we've done lunch and learns on uh, how to you know string a guitar how you know our team members all contribute to the things that they're passionate about they bring to the lunch and learns and teach their team members um, and so all of our values are not just uh are, are not just words, but we use them for our evaluations, we use them for recruitment, we use, we use them in exit interviews, and we, we bring them to life in how we, how we manage our day-to-day -day with our team. Wow. Um, is, is that something that, so when you guys got together and, and created, when you and Emily created this pomegranate hospitality, and first of all, I'm amazed that somebody took the time to count how many seeds are in a pomegranate <laughs> it's kind of amazing um but when you guys sat down and, and did this is this were you looking at other best practices is this something that you just kind of were like these are the things that I've had in my experience where you know I would have changed if I could have where did where did kind of the blueprint for this come from yeah, we absolutely looked to other groups that we felt did a really good job in the in the uh, you know how they build culture and their teams. Um, you know, the Zingerman's Deli in Ann Arbor, Michigan, was a huge inspiration for us in, in how we approach training and uh, prioritizing uh, culture over technique. Uh, in our space, we, um, I, I also, you know, was a witness to a lot of what not to do throughout my career and saw a lot of really um, unhealthy, toxic work environments that I knew um, didn't have to be that way and I knew could be better. And I knew that if we brought the right people together, create an environment where our team felt like they could practice their craft of service and cooking and food and hospitality without having to deal with, you know, people that are, are egotistical or uh, abusive and who, you know, want to make their, make their voices heard by, by yelling and, and, uh, and pushing people down our, our entire so pomegranate hospitality is really about bringing people up. Uh, and that's a huge part of what we talk about daily in our office and within our spaces is how do we bring people up? How do we inspire people to do good work? Uh, it doesn't happen by, uh, by trying to force it. You really have to develop value system. You have to set the tone of um, what what it means to be 
uh, empowered and reliable and what it means to be uh, organized and what it means to believe in education uh, and what it means to respect other people. And we then work really hard every day to make sure that those things are happening. So uh, it's like, you know, there's not one thing that said like, oh, here's what we need, you know, here's why we need to uh, start a restaurant group that believes in these things. It was really a culmination of a lot of things that happened and uh, a lot of learning what, what not to do throughout my career. So um, we're, we're obviously, everybody's familiar with your, with your restaurant here. Um, but so you have Safta. So Saba, in case you didn't know, Saba means grandpa in Hebrew and Safta means grandma in Hebrew. Um, so why Denver? <laughs> what, what's the connection there for Safta? Yeah. Um, you know, we opened in Denver because Emily and I really enjoy uh, going there to spend time out there. We've um, gotten to to go and be a part of the Denver community for the last decade uh, as we have made friends out there and we love to fly fish and we love to ski and be out in the mountains. And so Denver was really kind of a happy place for us. And uh, I think it's really important that if you, that your company is built on uh, an understanding of happiness and how to get there or, or how to work towards it. Uh, I think if we're not personally happy with what we're doing and find joy in what we do, uh, it's really hard to expect that from your team. So we opened a restaurant in Denver because we find joy in, in spending time there, being there. And, uh, and when the mosquitoes are the size of house cats here in New Orleans in, in July and August, you know, it's really beautiful up there. So uh, we... That was the that was the reason why uh, that Denver came about. I mean, it's a nonstop flight too. It's it's easy to get to, and yeah, that's definitely, right. Definitely, that's right. In the summertime, uh, yeah. And you know, this is a, a a business podcast, and so there there's the other aside from you know happiness. Uh, there's a business side to it as well that we. Um, you know, we really, it's a, it's a beautiful, growing, busy market out there. And uh, there's a lot of people moving to Denver that are, that are uh, doing great work. So we find ourselves surrounded by, by peers that we really respect and, and do incredible work out there. And we, we learn from them and, and uh, that's a big part of it too. So both Saba and Safta were in 2018, you opened in 2018. And then of course, everybody knows the pandemic hit. Um, but in 2020, at the same time, you were opening up um, Miss River and the Chandelier Bar at the Four Seasons restaurant. And that's, of course, Miss River is their, their flagship restaurant. And the Chandelier Bar, if you haven't been, is unbelievable. Um, but what, so how did that come about, that connection? Because you, you came here, obviously, through Harris, And then how did that connection come with Four Seasons? Yeah, well, we were approached by them um, because the the uh, ownership I think was really impressed with what we were doing at Saba restaurant. And so uh, they came and asked us if we would want to partner with them to open a restaurant. And we were very intrigued by it. Uh, 
And, uh, you know, I also, at the same time, selfishly was, was looking for a way to celebrate my love and passion for Louisiana cooking on a, on a large scale, more than just like in my backyard. Uh, so when this opportunity came around, I, I felt like it was a great way for us at Pomegranate to diversify a little bit um, and, you know, go into a partnership with a, uh, a group that we had a lot of respect for and that we really believed uh, understood hospitality. Uh, and the Four Seasons group, I think, does a really great job of that. So uh, I wanted to, you know, come and, and put a, a a restaurant together that celebrated our our love of Louisiana. And Emily and I have both lived here for over 20 years, and we've celebrated, you know, milestone life milestones, celebrating at uh, all of the great, incredible Asian and Creole restaurants throughout Louisiana. We, we drive out west into Lafayette and Appaloosas and Grove Bridge and Abbeville regularly to eat and, and enjoy life. We uh, listen to music. We celebrated birthdays at Galatoire's and Commander's Palace and Brennan's. We've, uh, you know, dove into bowls of Yakamane on, on the street during Second Lines. And we we're in line at Jazz Fest and French Quarter Fest for all the great foods. So we, you know, it's a huge part of our lives. And the idea behind Miss River was that we could, uh, in partnership with, with the Four Seasons, we could create a restaurant that uh, could be there for 100 years and could help celebrate the, the great Louisiana food culture that exists uh, and and so we designed Miss River in a way that felt like it was a restaurant that was 100 years old. Uh, and it, it's a menu that doesn't need to change for 100 years. You know, it's, every time you're there, you feel like the only place in the world you can be is in New Orleans. There's barbecue shrimp, and there's amafletta, and there's cuisine, uh, uh, and there's all of these, these incredible dishes that are iconic Louisiana dishes. So uh, that's, that's kind of the idea behind this river. I mean, and that's what people are coming here to experience. They want the Louisiana experience that they can't get anywhere else. Absolutely. I mean, uh, and, and not only people that are coming here, but people that live here too. Yeah. Like I, I never get tired of eating beignets or uh, I never get tired of having a delicious bowl of gumbo, uh, duck and andouille gumbo. So it, it, it's for both, I, I think. And uh, and I think that people that are, are traveling here and that are staying at the Four Seasons, they can go downstairs and really check a lot of items off of their list of foods that they've maybe only heard about or read about. Uh, you know, we have boudin, we have an amazing oyster patty, and spring's coming up, so we're going to be doing a crawfish strudel like so all of these great great dishes uh you're staying at the four seasons you can just come downstairs and, and be able to enjoy and so the chandelier bar too one of my favorite places right now um because you just walk in and I, i'm never not impressed by that by the look of it the it's it's not like anything i've ever seen what can you tell me about the chandelier that we see there like it because it's just amazing yeah, it is beautiful. It's it's fifteen thousand 
crystals that are from the Czech Republic. Uh, and, you know, they were meticulously hung and, and presented in the, in, the, in the centerpiece of the bar. Uh, and it's just, a, it's a, it feels like a really opulent living room. You know, there's beautiful couches and soft chairs and lounge areas where you can kind of just come and, and enjoy a, a really great selection of cocktails and really good small bites. Um, our beverage team there is really, I think, one of the best in the city. Uh, Hadi Kitri is, uh, runs the program there along with a, a team of, of bartenders. Uh, and the, the beverages there are all kind of like classic, iconic uh, drinks, a lot of them that were invented in New Orleans. So just like the food, uh, it's really a drink destination as well to, to feel like you're, you're in a classic bar that, that, that feels like it could be 100 years old as well. Uh, our, the food that we serve there. Uh, really is there to complement the drinks and and uh, create that sense of Louisiana uh, as well. We have these great cracklins that we make and a, a crab roll that's stuffed in, in butter brioche and uh, oysters on the, on the half shell. So it's it's just a really uh, I think beautiful place to hang out and the service is incredible and it's our way from a pomegranate hospitality standpoint to celebrate our love of Louisiana and show the world, you know, what we love about it so much through, through our lens. With, with the pandemic and everything and, and starting during that, are, are things a little more back to normal now? Uh, I, I would, I, you know, normal is a really hard <laughs> word to, to, to nail down, but um, yeah. So the, Obviously, the, the pandemic had a huge effect on our business, as it did. And for all of the other businesses around the world, we, we felt uh, like at times we were not going to make it through. But I, but I will say that being able to go through the pandemic surrounded by people that you really have a ton of respect for and, and look up to, um, which is our, our pomegranate team, uh, made it all possible. Uh, and made it all, uh, you know, digestible. Uh, I feel like th that at the core, having a team of people at Pomegranate that that worked towards getting us out of this really horrible time, still based on the values that we find to be essential to our to our business, was was what made it all possible. Uh, and and so. What, what I think where we are now uh, post-pandemic is really focusing on bringing the hospitality back into our day-to-day, -day, uh, the way that we operate. I think for, for a couple of years, we were told to keep people at arm's length and, you know, keep people separated and tell people to sit outside and, you know, keep your mask on. Let me get your temperature taken. And, and all of the things that we did to stay safe during the pandemic were, were also uh, making us less hospitable to each other, right? Even though we were trying to keep each other safe, we were, we were saying like, you sit over here on this side of the dining room and you sit over there on that side of the dining room and, and, and don't get up, <laughs> and definitely don't cough. 
so uh, I, I think now is really all about kind of undoing a lot of that muscle memory that was created um, to keep people safe uh, from this virus. We, we, we are now trying to, to understand, well, how do we stay safe, but how do we also create a, a place of feeling welcomed and gathering together and feeling like they can uh, kind of sit back and let us take care of them. So that's a big part of the dialogue now within our spaces is, is how do we find the yes for our team members, for our customers, uh, and create a really hospitable environment for them. So with all this focus on on workforce culture and on being supportive and on continuing education, all of that, I know one of the big issues for hospitality has, on a lot of different industries, has been workforce and um, finding people, keeping people. Is that, I mean, obviously you are driven by what you what you see as the right thing to do, but on a business side, you must be seeing advantages there as far as retention and, and, and getting people in the door. Well, yeah, I think overall we, we, uh, we find that our retention is really, is really great with people who really buy into the mission of pomegranate. And we also find that people that maybe don't buy into it don't last very long with us, you know, because our, our team is very protective over the culture that we have in our spaces. Uh, and that's really the beautiful part to it is that over time you continue believing in, in a positive culture that you build a team of people that really live it out. And if someone comes through that is not buying into it, they, they're usually uh, pushed out pretty quickly. Um, so it goes back and forth as far as, you know, we, we hire people, we really look for those culture, we look for the culture of positivity and, and of uh, respect uh, more than anything else. Uh, and then the technical aspects really are all on the back end of that interview. Uh, so, you know, it, it's expensive to run a business that is devoted to a strong, positive culture. You know, we have to have a, a director of people and culture that is accessible to our team, you know, at all times. We have to, uh, you know, to pay time off and benefits for our team and, you know, closing on major holidays so our team can be with their, with their families. Like those are, those are things that are really non-negotiable for us at Pomegranate Hospitality, investing in education, uh, ensuring that we're uh, doing timely views and ensuring that we're there for our team when they, when they need us to be, however that, that may look. Uh, all those things cost money and all those things are, uh, are an investment into your culture. It's a financial investment into your culture. Uh, but I, I can't really see a way to, I could never see a way to operate a restaurant or a restaurant company that didn't invest in that. And I've worked for restaurant groups that did not invest in that. And I saw the results of what happened because of that. And it's, uh, I, I would never wish that on anyone that wanted to join a team specifically to learn how to cook and learn 
to serve and pay their bills and feel like they're a part of something that was healthy, uh, you, you have to invest in that. You have to ensure that everyone is buying into it. And it can't just be one person that believes in it. It has to be everybody. So it costs money and it's expensive and uh, it's 100% worth it. All right, let's end with some exciting news. So you guys are expanding even further and you are launching a residency at Wynn Las Vegas and there's a connection there as well. Um, it is SAFTA, but it's SAFTA 1964. Um, so first, I guess I guess we'll talk about a little bit of your, your connection to Las Vegas and then let's talk about this this new venture. And so you guys are taking reservations starting April 4th. So you're you're really in it right now. Oh yeah. Yep. We're, we're ready to, we're ready to open up April 4th. We're very excited. Uh, so where did this come from? This, this was, you have a little bit of a connection with Las Vegas. Yeah. I got my career started out there right after culinary school. Uh, I lived in Vegas for a couple of years and, and kind of opened up my eyes to, you know, the, the possibilities in the culinary world out there. It was, it was, everything's over the top. And uh, I, I feel like from that experience, I I, I never created uh, a ceiling for where I felt like the industry could take me. Okay, so so SAFTA, um, SAFTA, obviously a restaurant in Denver uh, that started in 2018, but this is SAFTA 1964 and the, for this residency at Wynn Las Vegas. Um, so tell me how this is a, a little bit of a different take. Yeah, SAFTA 1964 is going to be a prequel to SAFTA. So as you know, SAFTA means grandmother. And and everything that we did at SAFTA in Denver was about creating this really fun grandmother experience, right? Like soulful and delicious. And like, come sit at the table and I'm going to cook for you. And and a lot of my grandmother's recipes uh, are are directly on the menu at Safta in Denver. So when we decided that we were going to bring Safta to Las Vegas and partner with the win out there, you know, we wanted to bring some, some edge to it. Uh, and I felt like doing a Safta prequel could be a really fun way to celebrate Safta when she was in her 20s, say she's 25 and and she jumped in her convertible Ford Thunderbird and headed out west with her recipes to throw a party in Las Vegas. And, and that's Softa 1964. It's really about creating this fun energy of uh, Vegas in the 60s uh, based around my grandmother's cooking. Awesome. Um, so this is, so it's a residency. So I guess kind of explain that, how that works. Yeah, we're, we're doing a residency there. So we're going to be, you know, for the next uh, year, um, throwing a party every night at Safta 1964 for people that, that come and have dinner with us. Uh, it's going to be uh, really just a throwback to, um, to the 60s and everything that my grandmother kind of cooked and taught me how to cook uh, will be amplified. So we're doing things like a king crab tagine with hand-rolled couscous, or we're doing uh, beautiful uh, 
or a king salmon with red beets and and tahini and, and flowers. Uh, so all of the food is really going to kind of celebrate 60s energy uh, through a lens of my grandmother's cooking. And uh, we're taking over this restaurant space called uh, Jardin, and every night for dinner, be opening up Safta 1964 for everyone that comes. Awesome. Um, so again, the reservations are starting on April 4th um, for those that, that would love to take advantage of that and, and have a new experience um, with your restaurant group. Uh, so how, what is the, we'll kind of end like, what's, what's your ultimate goal for Pomegranate? Are you, are you continuously looking for opportunities to expand? Are you, are you getting to the point where you're like, okay, I've got enough on my plate right now? Um, what, what's kind of the ultimate vision? I think the ultimate vision is to always put our culture first as a group and to always, um, you know, focus on a pursuit of happiness with whatever we do. And I don't know, I can't tell you, you know, what our five-year plan is. I think that we uh, understand that we do have a lot going on and we want to be present for our team and our partners. Uh, but we're also, uh, you know, never shutting down the door for opportunity for our team to grow and for new exciting things to happen. So, uh, you know, I, it's kind of like trying to predict the future. Uh, we're, we're open to opportunities and possibilities, but we also are very sensitive to our bandwidth and uh, ensuring that our company culture remains our top priority. So however, you know, we, that we have to keep those, we have to keep those things in balance and, and keep, keep our eye on the fact that uh, we're ambitious, but we're, we're also very cautious in that ambition. Awesome. Well, I appreciate it. I'm going to let you get back to that ambition and, um, and to Mardi Gras. Um, but I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. And we look forward to seeing um, all the new stuff in the future, including including SAFTA 1964. So so keep us posted on everything. And um, yeah. Okay, thank you. Time. Thank you so much. It was great to talk to talk to you. Thanks for listening. Biz Talks is brought to you by Biz New Orleans Magazine. Follow us on social media at BizNewOrleans and visit bizneworleans.com for daily news and stories.